This podcast is brought to you by the Village of Bedford Park, your home for business. Over 450 businesses strong and growing with a safe, reliable Lake Michigan water supply. Visit VOBPBiz.com and bring your business home to the Village of Bedford Park. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Now, the WBBM Noon Business Hour. It's 12.03, Wednesday afternoon, August 17th. Good afternoon. Thanks for joining us. I'm Rob Hart. The Noon Business Hour is presented by the Village of Bedford Park. Apple and Meta are expected to release consumer model mixed reality headsets in the coming year. We'll learn more about that in our next segment. But right now, leading retailers Target and Lowe's have posted their second quarter reports. Let's break them down with the help of Gerald Storch, the CEO of of Storch Advisors and the former vice chairman of Toys R Us uh, based in Vero Beach, Florida. Jerry, thanks for joining us today. Uh, what do uh, these uh, numbers from uh, Target and Lowe's tell us about the American consumer and uh, also about the fight against inflation? Look, when you look at these numbers from the retailers plus today's retail sales report, I think it paints a pretty clear and comprehensive picture. The reopening euphoria is essentially over as we get to the end of the summer here. And uh, hangover headache is starting. So July sales were flat. They were not very, very robust. Uh, you know, essentially, they're struggling to keep up with inflation. Uh, the composition of the, of the sales tells, again, a very clear story. The strength in food at grocery stores. But restaurants are starting to weaken for the first time. Strength in home improvement, you know, where it makes sense to invest in your home with rising home prices. Strength in e-commerce, which suggests, again, that that reopening buzz might be a little bit gone. Consumers are hunkering down uh, in the face of inflation and a slowing economy. This idea that inflation is abating is ridiculous. Now, when you look at a very tiny change in, in uh, inflation uh, that people are hanging their hat on there, and uh, essentially inflation is very, very robust, and the pressures that are underlying that uh, are almost unstoppable. At this point. And uh, Target says uh, they have basically a supply glut now on certain items after a year in which it seemed uh, uh, their suppliers couldn't make things fast enough. Well, even these very smart retailers like Target or Walmart, they got ropadoped, right? They were so worried, oh my gosh, the supply chain's a mess whenever they get the products in, that they way overordered on products that were selling at that time, which is a lot of clothing because, again, people are going, we're reopening, we get dressed and go out. You know, a lot of a lot of uh, exciting, uh, you know, uh, home-based products and electronics. Then the consumer shifted on them and said, "I don't want clothing anymore. You know, I want food. I want basics." With the cost of, of everything rising so rapidly, I got to make sure I can put food on the table. And they got stuck with all that clo- all the products that are absolutely the most difficult to clear at a good price. And so all that apparel looked like a bunch of, uh, you know, a bunch of uh, junk, and, you know, a bunch of schmata, as they call it in the retail industry. And is this a sign that uh, consumers are moving uh, from goods over to services? Well, everyone talks about that, but I tell you, I think that that is yesterday's story. I think the story that we're starting to come into here is that consumers did the reopening thing. They traveled like crazy. 
Now, you know, they ate out like a ton. But even in today's uh, uh, retail sales report, you see restaurants starting to slow down for the first time. And I think travel is not far behind. Everyone did their big vacation over the summer. But if you've seen the cost of airfare these days, it's like doubled. And so people are not going to be able to continue to do that. And eventually you're going to say, I've traveled enough now. I better just make sure that I can uh, feed my family. And so I think we're going to see a change take place back almost to the basics. Gerald Stortz, CEO of Storch Advisors, former vice chairman at Target and chairman and CEO of Toys R Us based in Vero Beach, Florida. Thanks for joining us this afternoon. Coming up, mixed reality headsets are on the way, but they may come with some sticker shock. Compounding your interest with an economy of words. This is the WBBM Noon Business Hour. Customers are lining up for the new mixed reality headsets from Meta and Apple. And uh, if you are, you may want to start saving up. We welcome in Jennifer Jolly, Tech Life columnist for USA Today and founder and editor-in-chief of Techish.com, based in San Francisco. Jennifer, thanks for joining us this afternoon. Uh, Tell us a little bit about these uh, Metaverse headsets from Apple and from Meta, the former Facebook. Uh, What are they and what do they allow users to do? Well, Meta's forthcoming high-end headset, it's codenamed Cambria. Uh, the, the company's been hinting at it. Mark Zuckerberg was seen in the video wearing it uh, earlier this year. It is supposed to more closely mimic the human eye. So you're supposed to be able to still engage with the world around you, still see what's happening around you, while also seeing kind of an overlay of various objects. So a couple different uh, computer screens that no one else can see except you when you're wearing these kind of ski-like goggles. So they're supposed to not take you completely out of the real world into uh, the VR world, the virtual reality world. It's supposed to be more of a mix of VR and AR, augmented reality. Apple is apparently working on something quite similar. We hoped to see it out at the end of this year. Now it's looking like next year. But both of these companies are saying these new headsets, these new gadgets could be thousands of dollars, nowhere near the current $400 price of Meta's headset. Now, the iPhone, when that came out 15 years ago, you didn't have to be a tech expert to realize the benefits of it were self-evident right there. You had a web browser, you had email, you had YouTube, you had a, a map function, uh, all on the you palm had, of your you hand. You had a camera, a high-end camera. High-end, high-end camera, yeah. too. Uh, all connected <laughs> right. to a cellular signal, and uh, you didn't even, it, all of a sudden, you know, the need for a laptop or a desktop uh, became secondary. It was all right there in the palm of your your hand. Uh, is the functionality of these VR or AR helmets, will that become self-evident to someone who tries them on? Well, I think what you just said, the, the helmets, the AR or VR helmets, the, the first big hurdle that these two companies are, are really battling it out to, to win at is that they are less than a helmet, uh, less than a giant headset, and that they become uh, an extension of sunglasses, ski goggles, eyeglasses. We've seen several companies try to do this. And the idea is, hey, you're walking down the street, you need directions, turn by turn directions. Well, then you'll, you'll be able to read a line or two of those or see arrows as you're walking down the street. But nobody else should be able to see that you're seeing a, a layer of augmented reality while you're doing that. So these companies, this is called pass-through technology. And I've seen it in application with uh, medical. 
issues. I've seen pediatricians and emergency room pediatricians training uh, on virtual children in the emergency room so that they don't have to practice (laughs) new techniques on our kids. So we've seen real life applications, but right now this is nowhere near. We're still five years away from what we're all envisioning as a consumer gadget. On the upside, uh, using it in a specialized way, like for if you're a doctor and you're trying to uh, work on somebody and you're getting information in real time, uh, there can be a real benefit. But uh, I'm just having this vision of uh, walking down Michigan Avenue with the uh, augmented reality glasses on, and it's like, well, do I really need to see Yelp reviews for a restaurant I have no intention to walk into? Right. And and that that gives all of these tech companies one more huge way to advertise. Can you imagine walking down and and, you know, oh, hey, it's, you know, two dollars off a latte at Starbucks or, you know, it's it's definitely they are looking at it as more ways to make money and advertise to us. We are looking at it as what is the next big thing? A lot of giant tech companies are betting that it's new technology we wear on our faces. It's it's uh, we're just not there yet. It is still far in the future. Jennifer Jolly, tech life columnist for USA Today and founder and editor in chief of Techish.com based in San Francisco. Coming up next, a new product features a unique partnership between a beer company and an ice cream maker. It's 60 minutes of financial planning. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. A new partnership involving Miller High Life sets its sights much lower than the champagne of beers. Let's learn more from RJ Hottavy, head of analytical research at the foot traffic analysis firm Placer AI based in Chicago. RJ, thanks for joining us today. Uh, The 100th anniversary of the ice cream bar is upon us, and uh, Miller High Life wants to commemorate that anniversary in a rather uh, unique and flavorful way. Yeah, it is exactly. Uh, it's not the partnership you expect to see every day. The uh, the fact that Miller High Life is partnering with an ice cream bar to recreate the uh, the taste and smell of a dive bar in a uh, in an ice cream bar, uh, planning to roll out a few different uh, ice cream bar flavors that are meant to uh, bring back uh, sensory uh, cues to to dive bars, which uh, we've all been there before. Uh, very interesting partnership. But I think you know what's at play here is really three larger trends. One is, is uh, really, as coming out of the pandemic, we, we didn't have a lot of new product innovation out there in the market, and this is one of the ways that brands are really starting to create uh, buzz about themselves and, and build awareness kind of after that that, that dearth of uh, innovation that we had. Second, we're starting to see a lot more partnerships like this, too, a lot of brands partnering up with other uh, other brands to do innovation. And then on top of that, too, is just really um, you know trying to, to, to create buzz about the brand um, you know, in different ways than, than in the past. We've seen limited-time offer products uh, help about restaurant foot traffic by anywhere between 5 and 20% uh, compared to the weeks before. And so I think this is another way to yeah, create buzz and uh, really uh, get the brand out there in a, in a period where uh, a lot of brands are fighting for it. At the same time, though, it seems kind of counterintuitive given the uh, uh, the the associations of Miller High Life and dive bars. I mean, and I say this in the fondest way possible. I mean, Miller High Life is very much uh, it's it's a working class blue collar beer. I mean, when you have that bottle, you feel like uh, uh, you're taking part in a tradition that like dates back to your grandparents. You're 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 at a backyard party in uh, the 1960s. That's what that bottle. Uh, that's that's what that bottle represents to me. And then everybody has a, a great uh, great memories to the extent that they 
exist of uh, late nights at dive bars, and you put these two working-class flavors together, and then you do kind of the uh, the very hip, trendy, non-traditional ice cream flavor. It doesn't seem to fit. Yeah, I, I think what they're going for, and I think you kind of hinted at this, it, it, on paper it shouldn't work, but I think they're going after a new audience that maybe the uh, the audience that they're used to is kind of the older demographic, uh, you know, had been you know kind of late 40s early 50s you know grown up with the brand and maybe this is a way to expose the brand to, to a younger audience kind of that 20 something uh we've seen a lot of new uh products like this uh you know kind of ice cream bars and popsicles and things like that marketed for for a young adult audience and i, I think this is a play on that so i think you're exactly right that these brands uh, this brand is Probably not known for going after a younger audience and in, in, in ice cream bars, uh, but I think it is a way for them to go after a younger audience. And I think it's interesting to see. I mean, we're talking about it now, so I think they're already creating some buzz with it. And very quickly, RJ, it's I, I'm surprised, uh, almost on the floor practically, that Pabst Blue Ribbon didn't think of this first because <laughs> the last decade or so, uh, Pabst has been working very hard to kind of rebrand itself uh, for as the younger hipster uh, beer to be appreciated. Ironically, I'm sure they've got something in there uh, up their sleeve as well I, I, once somebody does this it's a copycat industry i think we'll probably see some other variations or other product innovation i, I think that's really going to be the key for a lot of these uh, consumer packaged good companies coming out of COVID. is you know create buzz and create new products that, that keep people talking about you rj hadavi head of analytical research at the foot traffic analysis firm placer ai based in chicago thanks for joining us today still ahead on personal finance wednesday a simple but effective financial checkup call from mom Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Good afternoon. I'm Rob Hart. These are the top stories on News Radio WBBM. A suburban high school goes on lockdown after a suspicious item is found outside the building. Former Vice President Mike Pence considers an appearance before congressional investigators in Personal Finance Wednesday, performing a financial checkup utilizing seven simple steps. There's anticipation for this afternoon's release of minutes from the most recent policy meeting of the Federal Reserve. WBBM Business. The markets are lower. The Dow is down one. 149 points. The Nasdaq is down 150, and the S&P 500 is down 27. AccuWeather says mostly sunny and pleasant today, a high of 80, mid-70s along the lakefront. We have 80 degrees right now under mostly sunny skies at 1231. Topping our news at the half hour, a lockdown at Wheaton North High School has been lifted after police determined there's no threat to students and staff. An opened lockbox said to resemble a gun safe was discovered outside the building. It's been removed without incident. Several elementary schools in the area were placed on secure status before the all-clear was given. Former Vice President Mike Pence is being asked if he would appear before the January 6th committee. Here's what he said when the question was posed. If there was an invitation to participate, I would consider it. During a politics and eggs event in Manchester, New Hampshire, Pence added any appearance would have to be in this context. Any invitation to be directed to me, I would have to reflect on that. The unique role that I was serving in as vice president. Keeping in mind. It would be unprecedented in history for a vice president to be summoned 
testify on Capitol Hill. The former vice president's role on January 6th was to certify the Electoral College vote, something former President Trump and his supporters had hoped to prevent. Linda Kenyon, CBS News. It's 12.32 as the noon business hour continues, presented by the Village of Bedford Park. Markets are in the red this afternoon. We're joined by Tim Grisky, Senior Portfolio Strategist with Ingalls & Snyder based in New York. Tim, thanks for joining us today. It seems like today is a rather uh, stressful day for investors. You have uh, a couple of uh, red flags in the uh, earnings reports from retailers this morning about the uh, pace of spending and the fact that uh, consumers were definitely uh, pairing back in uh, light of higher prices. And then you have the uh, Fed notes coming up later this afternoon uh, that suggest that the Fed will continue their hawkish stance. So uh, the uh, Wall Street numbers uh, probably reflect that. Uh, They do indeed, Rob. Uh, And I think stress is is the right word. The market is down on uh, fear, uh, both about the Fed minutes, which are due out at any moment, um, and, uh, you know, the retail uh, sales numbers, uh, a bit light on the top line, but the bottom line, which is uh, excluding food and energy, uh, very, we're strong, better than expected, especially in online sales. Uh, so I think that's good news. You know, we've had a, a major move in this market over the last two months, major upside move. Uh, we haven't gotten back to where we were at the beginning of the year, uh, <clears throat> but we're, you know, more than halfway there now. We're about halfway there now. Um, so we, we think we're going to see, uh, you know, good news ahead. Uh, it's not all going to be good news. Uh, there will be some days of profit taking like we're seeing today. Uh, but we think most likely the bottom has been put into this market. We know what the Fed's going to do. The economy remains strong. Uh, and uh, we think higher stock prices are ahead. And when it comes to uh, some some interesting uh, perspectives that I saw this morning on uh, the retail sales report, uh, that maybe, maybe this could uh, start taking some of the air out of the inflationary balloon. Uh, you have gas prices coming down uh, by quite a bit since the month of June uh, through July, and that continues into August. And then you have uh, big retailers like Target that have these big ticket items that uh, they bought too much of, and they have to get it out of there, so they have to cut prices. Um, is is this a sign that uh, maybe uh, that this could be deflationary in the long term, or at least uh, slow the pace of inflation? Well, I think it, it really could be. Uh, you know, inflation, uh, as the Fed had said, you know, about a year ago, uh, is or this bout of inflation is likely transitory. Uh, it's been caused by. Uh, factors related to the pandemic, issues with the supply chain. Now that the supply chain is beginning to loosen up, we're getting more product out there. Prices are coming down to move that product. Uh, and, you know, inflation is going to abate. Uh, it's not going to go straight down. Uh, we've seen some good news on inflation. Uh, you know, this last bit of inflation, uh, I think that the Fed is going to work us through, uh, is probably going to be harder to get through. Uh, but we will get there. So it's not a matter of will the market go up? Will we see stock, higher stock prices? But just when we will. Uh, we're seeing a nice move now. We think we'll see the market continue to move higher through the rest of the year. We could even see the the market be flat for this year, uh, which would be a, a quite a turnaround. What are investors looking for this afternoon in the Fed's uh, meeting notes? Well, you know, the uh, 
Fed Chairman Powell, uh, when he gave his press conference after the uh, most recent rate hike, was actually very optimistic. Uh, he talked about how inflation was coming down. Uh, he indicated that the Fed was going to continue to raise rates, but he indicated also that he they might not be as aggressive as they've been lately. Uh, and that was greeted very favorably by the markets. And that's a big reason why we've seen this bounce uh, in stock prices. Uh, so uh, we think uh, that we will continue to see you know, that type of tone probably coming out of the Fed. Uh, the Fed, though, every once in a while will you know, be more conservative and throw some uh, cold water uh, on good news uh, to, again, bring that inflation down and not get uh, the investors too optimistic. Tim Grisky, Senior Portfolio Strategist with Ingalls & Snyder, based in New York. Thanks for joining us. Coming up next in Personal Finance Wednesday, tips to perform a financial checkup on yourself. Money Talks, as the WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. It's Personal Finance Wednesday. Inflation, higher interest rates, and volatile financial markets can trigger concerns about money. One way to see where you stand is to do a financial checkup. Let's get some guidance from Craig Bolanos, founding partner and chief executive officer of the Wealth Management Group based in Inverness and Downers Grove. Craig, thanks for joining us today. Just like how uh, we do spring cleaning in March and April uh, as September approaches, it's time to think about doing a fall checkup on your finances. Uh, What are some things you can do just to uh, give yourself a quick heat check on how your money is doing and some things that you could do better? Well, something that's been buzzing in the world of finance all year is people taking a look, maybe going online and calculating their personal inflation rate so they can have an idea as to how the headline risk is turning into economic reality. And I think in order to calculate that personal inflation rate, it means people need to commit to that budget and tell their money where to go instead of wondering where it went. But it can be eye-opening when you see how you're being affected at your own bottom line. We all know it, but you got to see your personal numbers. And the first thing uh, I would imagine you would look at is uh, the amount you're spending on gas and what you spend at the grocery store and maybe uh, possibly pairing back uh, one or two trips to a restaurant. Well, I think that's what it is. You know, it's about creating awareness. You know, the point of the budget is to understand what's happening in our financial ecosystem. And when we know what the demands are on our money, we're better able to avoid something called lifestyle creep. You know, the average wage gain that's been forecasted for 2022 is only 3.3%. But realistically, how much of that 3.3% can someone divert into long-term savings? How much much money can be consumed, consumed for meals and entertainment? You know, is there any wiggle room? We need to have a command of our numbers. And I think part of that command isn't just the budget. It's committing to only use one piece of plastic, one credit card for all of your digital payments and all of your spending. And that's actually a great tool because it's all right there. It just shows you what you're spending and how much you're spending and what you're spending it on. It's just it's a one-stop shop to kind of keep track of all the of of all of your expenses over the course of a month, and you can easily you know refer to that list of uh, charges each month uh, to find things you can knock out as opposed to uh, spreading it out across uh, three or four credit cards, store charge cards, and the like. 
That's right. I mean, I think people spread it around because we're practicing avoidance. The credit card, as you said, Rob, provides monthly awareness that can relate to monthly accountability. And think about it, with most credit cards, you have the ability to log into your app, log into your portal, and set alerts on balances, alerts on spending. So you can take the credit card monthly statement to a sense of what I call constant awareness. It's mission critical. But don't forget the blocking and tackling. Make sure people still have those emergency funds. If yours got spent, let's commit in the months that remain this year to start attacking it with a vengeance and rebuilding the reserves back up. And then on the investing front, uh, very quickly, Craig, uh, don't be scared away by market volatility. No, for those who are saving for the long term, embrace the volatility, lean into the volatility. Those are mortal words of being, you know, fearful when everyone else is greedy and greedy when those are fearful. I think this is a great opportunity for people to be consistently and constantly dollar cost averaging into their work sponsored plan or dollar cost averaging into their individual IRA. Absolutely, Rob, keep on investing. Craig Bolanos, founding partner and chief executive officer of the Wealth Management Group in Inverness and Downers Grove. Thanks for joining us this afternoon. Join us at this time tomorrow for Technology Thursday. And still to come, the Federal Reserve is set to release the minutes of its most recent policy meeting. The only program dedicated to currency events. You're listening to the WBBM Noon Business Hour. Minutes from the most recent Fed policy meeting will be released at the top of the hour. Let's get a preview from David Jones, chairman of DMJ Advisors, based in Denver, Colorado, and author of the book Understanding Central Banking. David, thanks for joining us today. Uh, Do members of the uh, Fed's Open Market Committee and uh, the Federal Reserve uh, Chairman, do they uh, have a competition with Supreme Court justices over which body uh, can move markets and politics uh, at the drop of a hat? Absolutely. Uh, The two most important uh, appointed bodies we have in our government, in some ways you have to say that uh, they're similar in that respect. Uh, You have uh, uh, actually seven members of the Federal Reserve Board of Governors uh, uh, making policy decisions unelected, just like you have nine members of the Supreme Court making policy decisions unelected. What's interesting in those minutes, uh, remember it was back on July 27th that the Fed policy decision was announced. They went up 75 basis points or three quarters of a percentage point. That's a big tightening move. But what happened back then is the Fed tightened, but the markets rallied, particularly the bond market. Yields came down sharply, partly because the bond market was betting on a recession at that time. But also, we have to note that the stock market has been rallying ever since. I think today was a day when they need to sober up a little bit. The Fed wants to sound hawkish, and those minutes will sound hawkish. The analysts are still anticipating a uh, three-quarters of a percentage point uh, increase in the in the federal funds rate uh, coming up at their next meeting. Um, is that uh, fait accompli, and uh, will the notes uh, suggest that there may be some uh, ifs, ands, or buts attached to that prediction? Well, I think there'll be some ifs, ands, or buts attached, uh, and I'm expecting half a percentage point or 50 basis points, a little bit less at the September meeting, in part because we finally saw 
inflation at least come down slightly. Remember that back in July, the Fed was looking at a 9.1% year-over-year inflation rate. We're now down just a little bit uh, in terms of uh, 8.5% on the CPI. So I think all in all, the Fed will be a little bit less tough in that September move. But remember, one very important thing in September, the Fed's going to be of a maximum size in reducing their balance. That's quantitative tightening by the Fed taking liquidity out of the markets. That's going to be a major factor in the bond market, I think, uh, keeping rates higher. And then very quickly, David, uh, what are you looking for this afternoon? I think a little bit more hawkishness in the Fed's commentary. Uh, We've seen some Fed officials talk about it. Rates have to continue to move up, um, even if it's a little bit less in September than it was in July. And uh, the Fed's going to keep at it till they see convincing evidence that inflation is coming down. David Jones, chairman of DMJ Advisors in Denver, Colorado, author of the book Understanding Central Banking. Thanks for joining us this afternoon. If you missed any part of today's show, you can go to our stream and just skip back to the time you want. There's a pause and rewind function that works both online and with the Odyssey app. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively sports. Back clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. Yes, and even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to tunein.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. 